first and foremost, before we get started, Gillis, um, can we please play Fortnite together? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I literally, I see you on all the time, and I'm never like, oh, I, I want to play with Gillis. Yeah, for sure. One of these days. I just don't have any friends, so if we're just going to be honest with ourselves. Welcome to Mid-20s Life. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in your day. I want to thank you for making me a part of it. And welcome to Rob Takes On, where the hashtag is silent. I'm your host, hey, it's me, Rob, on Twitter, and it's a great day for a great day. Episode 42, I believe. Carter, does that sound right? 42? Yeah, it's 42. I, I should have put it in the doc, but I know last week, I'm pretty sure it was 41. So here we are, 42, the yeah. Jackie Robinson number. Um ready for a great episode. We're talking about sports today. Uh, but before we get into that, <clears throat> I do have a voicemail. I called for voicemails. I got one for last week's episode. It just came in just a little bit late. Called in. He's starting a podcast of his own, has a question for us this week. So uh, here's this week's voicemail. Hey, Rob, it's Professor Kings here. Um, I wondered, now you've been podcasting for a while, what lessons you would have for any other budding podcasters? Okay, thanks a lot. Bye. Uh, tips and tricks, advice for budding podcasters. I know uh, Justin has a podcast on the interwebs called Fish and Chips Made Me Faint. It's a podcast about food, so you should definitely check that out in its infancy. Um, but for those of you who are interested about podcasting, uh, see the ad at the beginning of this week's episode about Anchor. I certainly recommend it. Um, equipment doesn't really need to be too terribly expensive. Like I said, Anchor is a really great resource. Audio quality is important, but more important than that is the ability to listen to your guests and tell their story. And we hope to do a little bit of that today. The storytelling, doing that fluently is a lot more important than anything else that you can do. Overall, just focus on the things that you can control and enjoy it. Carter, anything? Yeah, I think you you pretty much hit the nail on the head, but I will say it, it certainly never hurts to have a, a co-host, you know, that is extremely handsome, which I think Rob has found, which has made him so successful. Have I? <laughs> you have. I don't know about all that, but uh, my mom would agree with me, by the way. <clears throat> uh, so that's one, and then what? Your fiance and, and my fiance. Yeah. So okay. So there's okay. two. It's two. Okay. Maybe we'll. we'll it's ask not a coincidence, guest. is what I'm saying. Maybe we'll ask our guest today when we get him on here uh, what he thinks. That kind of leads us into our topic of the day sports in COVID times. And so I introduce our guest of the week, Andrew Gillis. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy, um, to, uh, happy to be here. Yeah, we're going to talk about sports in COVID times. And um, starting with the Rob takes on of the week of, of working sports again. Uh, Gillis, you have a background in, in sports journalism. Um, what has been your experience recently covering sports here in 2021 oh boy um uh if i can be uh if i can be blunt i hate it um and, and i know that um you know that sounds ungrateful or whatever um but you know i i think what i don't know if a lot of people know about the way that beat reporting goes is typically throughout the course of a year you are able to go into the locker room you are you there's an allotted time um and obviously it varies by nfl mlb it, it depends on um the different league and the different teams but you're able to go into the locker room you're able to speak face to face with these guys you're able to have you know conversations that are you know more than just you know tell me about this great game tell me about this play tell me about this 
you know, this, this, this new play, whatever it is, you're able to get that. But now everything is over zoom. You know, they, you know, teams, I think have adjusted as well as they could. I think it's, it's just unique. You know, there are, I guess, silver linings to this. Um, You know, if there's an availability session at 1130, I don't have anything to do until 1115 and I can just sit there in my pajamas and hop on the zoom call. And all of a sudden I'm asking a question to Peter Laviolette of the Capitals. Like I can do that relatively quickly, but just not having that in-person stuff, that in-person angle, it just, it takes a lot of the emotion out of it. And you're, you're almost, you're writing essentially what everybody else has. You know, if there's a zoom call with two players on it, everybody has those same quotes. You don't have your specific unique thing. Um, So it, it feels like it waters it down a little bit and, you know, it certainly makes you have to work harder to get people to notice you and to get people to read your stuff. How have you adapted over the course of the last year? I mean, what we're coming up on, I mean, today is March 8th. This will come out here in about a week or two. And by the time this comes out, we'll be days past March 11th. The, you know, the moment in time in 2020 where the whole world kind of stopped, at least the sports world. How have you adapted in these you know, 365 plus days. I think the, I think the cool thing about it is for road games, um, NBC Sports Washington is not a place that sends me to every road game. You know, last summer I was covering the Orioles and, you know, even if we were in a normal year, I was not going out West. I was not going to, to Texas, to, to Minnesota. I was not going all over the place uh, for the Ravens that I was covering last year, not going all over the place with them. So just to have that availability session, you know, after the Ravens play the Houston Texans on the road, I have fresh Lamar Jackson quotes at, you know, 7.30 at night after their four o'clock game. Like that was pretty cool. Um, so that was nice. But, you know, I, I think one of the things you do is you try to, um, you try to build off of what people say more than anything, you know, because you can't, you know, when you're in a locker room, like I was mentioning, you can, be having a conversation with a guy and he says something interesting. And then all of a sudden, you know, that light bulb flashes in your mind and you go, Oh, wow. That's, Oh my God, that's a story. So you don't have that. So you really got to pay attention to that. You really got to do your homework when it comes to these guys. Um, and I think the other thing too, you write differently. There's not, you know, those, those in-depth stuff that, that kind of goes away. So I think you kind of have to turn that into, okay, what's quick hitting that I can write. Okay. Somebody said this, I'm going to write 300 words about it, get it out there. So I think it, it, it's kind of changed the way that journalists have to operate because when you don't have those in-depth sources, when you don't have so many people to talk to, you just kind of have to make it what you can. And, you know, I think, uh, I think everybody's just kind of doing the best they can with it. Do you think that that's like the new normal or do you think we're going to return to a sense of normalcy when, you know, we're allowed to go back to stadiums and physically be in front of interviews and um, be able to have that locker room access. Do you think that that's going to happen again? Or do you think that this is just kind of what life is now for the beat reporter? Well, the, the, the optimistic side of me wants to say that, you know, okay, well, there's, they've done the zoom calls for road games. You can do the, you can do the zoom calls for, for road games again. And, and that's it, you know, you know, say you're covering a baseball team and they're playing in Arizona. A lot of people don't travel all over the country for, for all 81 road games. So the optimistic side of you says, hey, they've done this before. They can do this again. But I think that it will go back to normal eventually because I think that journalists will kind of push for this. I think that, you know, writers unions, writers associations will try to make sure that we get the availability that we've had back. 
but I just don't think it's going to be anytime soon. You know, I don't know anything, obviously. Everything's sure. still so much up in the air. I mean, like you just said, it hasn't even been a year yet. So I think that people are still trying to, trying to see where we can go. And I mean, where are we going to be in May? I have no idea. And I think it's kind of been like that since March. So, you know, I, I think that it's, it's just going to take one of those things where you just need time and you just need people to get, to get healthier. You need this thing to get phased out. You need this, you need everybody to get COVID vaccinated. And after that, I think, um, I think eventually we'll get there, but I would, I would be very, very surprised if 2021 is just, Hey guys, everything's normal again. Go ahead. This dream of normalcy. Let's talk about what things were like before this, um, because you've had a pretty interesting, I guess, journey story to tell as well. Most of your life is telling other people's stories. So today I'm going to take some time to tell yours. So you went to the, the true university of Ohio. Let's talk about, about that and the gripes you have with Ohio state university. <laughs> okay. Cause I love this. Uh, well, so, okay. So let, let me, let's just break the fourth wall. So Robert and I went to high school together in Northern Virginia. So in Northern Virginia, you got to understand that like our graduating class was like 350 something kids sure. and everybody at school went to um, everybody at our high school went to, um, you know, James Madison, Virginia Tech, George Mason, Christopher Newport. Everybody went to all these schools. And then, you know, hearing somebody say, oh, I'm going to South Carolina, hearing somebody like that registered like that people people understood that. So I would tell people oh, I'm going to Ohio University. And they would say, oh, sweet, go Buckeyes. And I would have to say, oh, no, that's, you know, that's not, that's not necessarily the truth. Like, well, it's actually like an hour and a half south. And, uh, you know, they're still D1. Like they still, they're like, and I would tell people and they would just like have the most peculiar look on their face. I would be like, yeah, they're the Bobcats, not the Buckeyes. And they would kind of look at me like, really? Yeah, it's like Ohio University. They were the first university in, in Ohio. Uh, they were they established in 1804. Like they've been here a while and <laughs> everybody would just kind of go like, wow, that's so like, is it a small school? And I'm like 24,000 students go there. Like, so no, big, yeah, like, it's a pretty big school. And everybody just was so, so surprised. So, you know, in high school, I, I, not to say that I wanted to get out because I really like Northern Virginia, but I wasn't afraid to look out. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I wasn't, um, you know, I wasn't one of those kids that was like, if I can't get into a Virginia school, I'm going to go to community college for two years. I, I was pretty okay with, with leaving. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, I don't think I was ready to go to like Northern California or something to go to school, go to UCLA, USC, something like that. But, you know, Ohio was only like five and a half hour drive. And I think that it was, it was just one of those schools where I, I just kind of honed in on, um, because I knew they had what I wanted in terms of major in. I, they had a good journalism school, pretty nationally known. One of the other things that I was considering, or at least considering minoring in, which I eventually did, was sports management. And their sports management program is it typically ranked mm -hmm. somewhere in the top 15, top 10, whatever you want to, whatever. It, I mean, they vary everywhere. But so I knew they had a good sports management program. I knew they had a good journalism school. So that was kind of my number one. I just kind of, just kind of started looking at that. And then uh, like it's just a thing that I think everybody can kind of relate to or at least most people can relate to where you show up on campus you start walking around a little bit and you don't necessarily like have this like 
this like this light bulb moment where you're like, this is it. This is where I'm going. You just kind of think like, okay, this is, this is, yeah. And it just, eventually you just kind of come to realize you're like, oh, this is where I'm going to be going to college. This is it. So, not that many people from our high school went to the state of Ohio. And trust me, the Buckeyes think they own the state of Ohio. It is the Ohio University. Ohio University was there first. Ohio University is uh, the technically, I'm looking at my graduation diploma right now. It says the Ohio University uh, in Columbus. Uh, for those of you who don't know, they sell shirts that say the, like literally just the with like uh, like a Buckeye nut on it or that's something obnoxious. like that. I just want you to know that that's obnoxious. It, they tried to trademark the word the, man. Like, I mean, like it's, it's ridiculous. So, um, you know, and, and I'm like, look, Ohio and Ohio State are definitely big brother, little brother. And like, I don't even know if it's fair to consider that because like Ohio State just doesn't think about Ohio University at all. But anytime the softball team beats Ohio State, anytime the field hockey team beats, anytime anybody beats Ohio State, it's a big deal. So um, my, I've, I've often said, and I'll finish this rant with this, I've often said that my, my dream in sports for the rest of my life is that Ohio University either beats OSU in football because it would be at the horseshoe or they beat them in the NCAA tournament in the Sweet 16 or later. If any of those happen, I can die. Roll Bobcats. It would just be incredible. Roll Bobbies. You taking a Fanatics bet for uh, for the Bobcats, Rob? Uh, you know what? I think I might go into FanDuel and, and put – put as much money as I can on the Bobcats just to see, just not to actually do it, not to click confirm, but just to see how much I would get if they actually did win. You oh, know oh. You know, th that's one of those games of like, if, if they do play in if, basketball, there'd be a line, but that's one of those games in football where it's like, they, they don't even give you the line or it's like something ridiculous to where you're like, oh, really? OSU minus 42. Like, that's a lot. And then they win <laughs> 77 to 10. And you're like, why did I even consider this? But. So while you were at Ohio, I know you, I know you went on a couple of fun trips to, to cover the football team. And I know since then you've been kind of all over the place covering teams and sports. What kind of, where have you been your like top, you know, three or four places that you, you've been as a journalist, as a, you know, reporter? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, uh, when I was at Ohio University, I was the, um, uh, I was the sports editor for the student newspaper my senior year. I was the assistant my junior year. So with that came the football beat. And when I was there, uh, I, when it was my junior year, Ohio played at Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. And that was so cool. I remember we we drove from Athens to Cincinnati to because um, we needed we were in like some civic or something and we had five people so we, we needed to spread out a little bit. Um, so we got the sports editor's mother's car, which was bigger, and then we drove down to Knoxville and just like we drove through the Vol Walk, which is something they do down there where they block off the streets everybody that's going to the game like is just lined up on the side of the roads and they just watch the players walk from like the practice facility and the players what they do they walk down the tunnel and then they walk across the field to the opposite end zone they do a little breakdown then they go back in the locker room 
And we were getting there like right before this was about to start and we had a media pass. So they waved us on through. So we are like driving through the vol walk and we turn and we just see this like big, the big sign, Neyland Stadium. And that was, I think like I've covered, you know, like I've covered games at M&T Bank Stadium, like playoff games at, at an NFL stadium. And I've covered games at um at Neyland Stadium and um you know I, I covered a game my senior year at Purdue but Neil that that Tennessee game just kind of stands out because it was the first and also like there's like a hundred thousand people at that game I've never been around that many people in my life and that was great and and actually later in the year um Ohio played in the MAC championship game against the uh row the boat PJ Fleck Western Michigan Broncos and um I was so I went down onto the field for the last like five minutes of the game to, to, you know, to look for anecdotes to write in my stories, to take some video on my phone. And I was like, Ohio, actually, they lost 29 to 23 and um, they were marching on the field at the end of the game and they threw an interception with like a minute left. Mm-hmm. And I was like 15, I, I got a great video on my phone of the interception. Um, and it was like that stadium was like so loud because it was all Western Michigan fans that had made the trip to see them go undefeated and go to the cotton bowl and everything. And so, you know what, I I think a lot of things that I've kind of noticed is that eventually you just kind of get used to it, but, but those first, you know, those, those kind of stick in your head. While we're talking about firsts, then um, let's talk about, you know, then moving from interesting places to interesting people you have the opportunity to talk to some pretty cool people. What has that been like? Yeah. You know, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a cool job um, obviously. And um, you know, I, I think one of the cool things about it is that um, I remember the first day that I was covering the Ravens, um, like I moved and I had like two days at work at the office uh, back when that was allowed. And I saw, um, you know, my editors and stuff and they were basically like, hey here's your cms here's everybody go to practice and you know so i went out to practice and that day ladarius webb was retiring the raven i'm standing there and i just like look to my left casually like i've been at the facility for an hour and like john harbaugh and dick cast the team president and ozzy newsome the former gm are standing like right behind me and i like turn around and i'm like friend i'm like don't don't show anything don't show anything and i'm just like staring straight ahead and that was kind of my like, holy crap moment. Um, and so that was cool. You know, like talking to John Harbaugh has been cool. Um, you know, I've, I've been on press conferences with Bill Belichick. That was pretty unique. Um, the Lamar stuff is, um, I mean, that 2019 season, that's one of the best quarterback seasons in NFL history. And like, that was the first NFL season I ever covered. He was so likable and so just just outgoing and bubbly and he was great um you know and then you have these like you have those like big guys and then you have the um you have the lesser known guys um you know like uh, Willie Sneed a guy on the Ravens I love talking to Willie Sneed because he played at Ball State uh in the Mac we would uh, it was so funny like I would talk to these guys in the locker room and they would be like oh yeah, you know, I went to, you know, this guy went to Florida, this guy went to Iowa, this guy went to Texas, this guy went to Oklahoma. And I'd be like, hey, you watched Sooners this week? You watched Longhorns, whatever. And they'd be like, ah, I missed him, damn. And I would walk up to Willie Sneed and be like, hey, 
you know, how, how much do you watch Ball State? Because you never know. And he was like, I watch every game, 100% every game. And it was just funny to see that. So we talk Mac football all the time. So it's just those unique relationships you miss out on. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier with the locker room stuff. Um, I remember Ohio actually beat Willie Sneed's Ball State Cardinals. So then, you know, the, the week after the game, I walked in. I was like, hey, Willie, what's, do you watch any football this weekend? you see anything interesting? And he, you know, we were kind of giving each other crap. So um, just that type of stuff. And then, you know, it, I got to throw this in there. Like the high school kids, sometimes you get the high school kid, you stick, you stick a recorder in their face and they shut down like they go into panic mode they see that and they that you know the deer in the headlights and then other kids just are unfazed by it and you know the, the one kid like i'll never forget uh, his name is jacob thompson lives out in northwest ohio i know that name doesn't mean anything to anybody who's probably listening to this but he was in a car accident um and before his senior year of high school and he almost died. He was like in the hospital for like a couple of days. His, he was bleeding all over. And he's like telling me all this as like a 16, 17 year old kid. He went, he came back in football season and he dislocated his elbow, like his first game back. And they, he eventually made it back for the playoffs. And it's just like, I get it. Like, I understand that like talking to Lamar is really cool. And like, when I, you know, talk to you guys, it's like, you know, what are you, who's the coolest person you talk to? It's like Lamar is the answer or Harbaugh is the answer or, you know, Chris Davis is the answer. But those relationships with the high school kids and the kids that are not as well known, I think, honestly, I remember that more than Lamar telling me that my speed rating on Madden is too low. Like, I'll remember <laughs> the, the personal stuff more than I will, the Willie Sneed stuff more than I will John Harbaugh or Bill Belichick or Bill O'Brien or whatever. So the personal side of this is cool. That's a really cool outlook on things. And when you were talking about your experiences with Willie Sneed reminded me of my time with the Washington football team, formerly the Washington Redskins that like, I remember my first day, like in press scrums in the locker room after OTAs talking to Kirk cousins and Mm -hmm. like, Morgan Moses and all of these different, you know, different guys on the team. And most of them, the ones that made the most money were like, you know, whatever, you're just whoever. But the the people that I got to know the best over the summer were the guys, the Willie Sneed types. Um, one that yeah. I specifically remember because it was a guy I just enjoyed talking to more than anybody else, mostly because he actually looked for me during interview scrums. Uh, was a guy named Anthony Lanier, played for the Redskins for a couple of years. Now he's with the Chargers on the defensive line, was one of the nicest guys that I ever got the chance to talk to. And to Alabama A&M? Yeah, that's the one. All right, okay. That's and, sick that I know that, but go on. And every day, like, I mean, we went to, because I covered a lot of the, you know, Washington charity events and um, a lot of the public relations stuff that they did. And anywhere that I would see him, he would always come up to me, you know, say hi, talk about how it's going. And I I think when you told that story, you know, it resonated with me that like, those are really cool relationships to have. And I think that the star power of, you know, the Lamars, the Harbaugh's, the, you know, the Gruden's, the Rivera's, the coaches, the best players, the Ovi's, you know, that probably wears off. But I, I think that that point you made about, the relationships that you build is, is a really, really interesting one. And one that I find pretty cool when you were at kind of shifting a little bit, what has your, your time at NBC sports Washington been like, and, and talk about the transition from the Baltimore beat to the Washington beat. 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've loved it. Um, you know, it, it's been, I, I think whirlwind is probably the best way to put it. Um, because, you know, like I mentioned, I, I moved from Northwest Ohio where, you know, you're writing for a print only product covering, you know, high schools with graduating classes of 32 to covering the Ravens at NFL training camp. And so that was, that was interesting. And, you know, I, just covering them, it's, you know, there's a quote in one of my favorite 30 for 30s, it's the pony excess. And, um, you know, there's a, there's a quote, they're talking about it in a negative way, but the, the way that I use it is, you know, you look at a train and you think it's going, you know, 20 miles an hour, but you hop on and you realize it's going hundred miles an hour and it's getting faster. And I think that that's kind of been really the last year, I think slowly, but surely I've been able to get my footing because, you know, I showed up and, you know, I covered the Ravens on a 14 and two regular season. Everybody thought they were going to the Super Bowl. So we were talking about all that. And then all of a sudden the season just ends. It goes from, you know, 500 miles an hour to zero real quick. So then you just turn into baseball and really from last year, like at the end of the year, you're just, you're just exhausted. So you take some time and I went to spring training for the Orioles and then you're starting to ramp up for the Orioles and then obviously COVID happened. So it really threw me for a loop um, because everything has been really since I've been, since I've gotten here has been changing. And, you know, that's not, I mean, that happens everywhere. That's not an NBC sports watching thing. And especially the last year. So, um, you know, it, everything has kind of been changing. So I think adapting on the fly has been really, really tough. And, but it, I think it, it really teaches you a lot. Um, and then the, um, and then, yeah, I mean, like you just mentioned recently, I, um, you know, the other thing too, I, the Raven season ended and I transitioned to the Washington beat, I guess, so to speak. Um, so like right now I'm covering the, the capitals and the wizards. Um, and then when training camp and everything hits, I'll throw the Washington football into that, into that, uh, into that duo. So yeah, it, it's really just kind of adjusting to whatever is thrown your way. I think that that's kind of been something that's, it, it's hard. Um, but honestly, it keeps the job new and exciting because, you know, with, with so much stuff going on, it is tough that you can't kind of put a foothold down on anything. You know, I, I, you know, some of the Ravens rookies, I never got to talk to them in person, but you, uh, you just kind of live and learn and live to adapt, I guess it's adapt or die. So while you adapt, what, uh, and while you kind of transition into the new role, I know that you have been with NBC Sports Washington for a bit. I know you're making this transition to the Washingtonian beat for, for now, but what's the ultimate goal or what, what do you want to do that you could say, okay, if I'm doing this, like I'm good. Or is that now? You know, it's funny. I remember like being asked that a lot in college and I thought I had an answer in college and I thought the answer in college for me was cover college football. I always kind of thought that that's where I was headed and that's what I would do best. But, you know, as you get thrown into the professional journalism world, I think that not to say it's not smart to make individual goals for yourself, long-term goals, but I, I just, the way that the world, if the world has taught me anything over the last couple of years, just being out in it is that, you have no idea what's next. You have absolutely no clue what's next. You have absolutely no clue. And not to say that, you know, not to sound existential, but 
partially you, you don't really have any control over it. If we, if we were doing this, uh, we're doing this what March 8th, if we were doing this March 8th, 2020, I mean, what would we be, I'd be talking about going to Orioles games in person in two weeks. We'd be talking about all of this and now everything is different. So I've kind of learned to just take things, it's going to sound cliche, but a step at a time and to just say like, okay, like, what do I need to do this week? Okay. The Caps are playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. The Wizards are playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm going to write my stories here. Here's my off days. What can I do the next week? And you just kind of build off of that because I don't want to look too far ahead. Um, you know, there's a, there's a famous quote from a sports writer, Jim Murray, who said that he never leaves any stories in the bank because what if he dies one day ahead? So I'm kind of the same way. Um, I just, I treat every day, I guess, like it's, like it's the only day you're on the beat where it's like, okay, what can I do today that I can, that I can get out there? What can I do now that can help, you know, get clicks NBC sports, Washington, make me more known, make the site more known right now. I'm, I'm just kind of taking it as it comes and we'll see. I mean, I, cause I, I've always believed that, um, you know, like hard, it's, you know, better to be lucky than good, but um, sometimes you got to make your own luck. The more you hard, the, the more you work at it, the more you work hard. If you do that in an individual level, eventually you'll just kind of look around one day and say, oh, okay, well, this is pretty cool. And that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I think one of my favorite sayings is if it was luck, it would have run out by now. What kind of advice? I guess we talked at the beginning of the show. I was asked, you know, what kind of advice do I have for a budding podcaster? What kind of advice do you have for anyone who wants to do journalism beat reporting you know what what you're doing now to either get to where you are or just in general to survive the day-to-day do everything you can everything you can do it um so i i always laugh because when i went to college um i knew i wanted to write for the student newspaper um but I didn't know what else I wanted to do. So I, I kind of tried a few different things, looked into a few different things, but the student newspaper was where I started. And I worked there. I worked my tail off for four years. You know, you, you miss a lot of parties. You miss a lot of, you know, miss a lot of friends. You miss a lot of Netflix time. You miss a lot of all that. But, um, you know, I think that one of the things that it was just funny was, um, when I was a junior, I did color commentary for the hockey team, for the student-run hockey team. And my my editor there, the video editor, the producer of the show, she got a job at NBC Sports Washington, Megan Ryan, and she was able to put uh, put my resume on the right person's desk, and they were able to talk to me, and that's kind of how that whole process started. So it's just funny that you can, you can work at something and then something you did for a year can end up making a difference. So, um, you know, I tell people do everything you can as well as you can, because you never know who's going to end up where, who's going to end up with what job, who's going to know what person. And I think one of the things that benefited me was I worked, you know, like I said, skipping parties, it was, they played every Friday and Saturday night. I missed a lot of stuff for that. You know, I missed a lot of hangouts with friends and stuff, but I worked hard. I knew my stuff. I did a good job and Megan respected me for that. And when it came time and Megan and I are good friends and, you know, when it came time to apply for this job, 
I texted her and she was like, oh yeah, I can help you. And, you know, there, here we are. So I think that doing everything you can, just even if it, even if it isn't somewhat related to what you're doing is really important because you can either, even if you do something and you hate it, that's what I told people about writing. If you, if you try writing for a newspaper and you hate it, at least learn how to write well, because whatever job you're at, you're going to need to send an email. You're going to need to do something writing wise. So always be looking to improve yourself and always be looking to just every possible avenue for that to happen. Full of insight and wisdom, Andrew Gillis, you know, great advice. I would say that has been, I mean, definitely, it's definitely been cool from an outside perspective. Obviously, you know, we chat every time the Caps are doing well in the playoffs and, you know, we've con- we've conversed periodically between, you know, high school and now, but just kind of from an outsider's perspective to watch from Ohio to, you know, the high school beat to NBC Sports Washington to now has been a cool, cool adventure to watch. And I think anyone listening uh, should take that advice because I firsthand have seen what it does when you actually actually follow that advice you turn into someone like Andrew Gillis who is following his dreams and is doing a damn good job at it um so thanks for thanks for sharing um your story or taking the time to come on with us before we leave let's transition to our final two segments of the day that we introduced last week as regular segments those being hot or not and Florida man okay uh, first thing on the hot or not list for the week, seven hour layovers, hot or not. I feel like that's a trick question because it's gotta be not, um, Don't overthink like, it. Yeah. Like, no, absolutely not. I mean, like I've been, I mean, I haven't really tr- like extensively traveled that much. So I think the longest, like layover i've ever had was actually due to a delay i was about to say this is not delay this is not these aren't delay layovers like planned layovers planned layovers seven hours or seven hours absolutely not uh what i when i was um when i was a senior in college ohio played the bahamas bowl and i went down there and i had a layover and i think we flew from like um i think we flew from like the bahamas to like atlanta and it was like 15 minutes to change planes, but the gates were right next to each other. So we walked off the plane, turned, and just waited in line to get on the next plane. 15 minute layovers, That's great, hot. excellent. Seven hour layovers, 100% out, not even a debate. Carter, hot or not? Absolutely not, absolutely not. If I have a seven hour layover, I'm not flying. Somebody it's messed unacceptable. up. If I, if I have a seven hour layover, there's something wrong. Exactly. Most places I'm going to go to, I can drive to in seven-ish hours. There's simply no way I'm going to spend seven hours in an airport just waiting. No chance. Okay. So I I understand the points that you're making, and I'm going to continue to play contrarian. Um, Here's why I think seven-plus-hour layovers are hot. Because, and for no other reason than they're planned. If I know that I've got seven-plus hours to be in a city that I can leave the airport with my bag, my backpack, whatever it is, my carry on, 
go explore that city, get lunch, look around and get back to the airport in time for my flight back to wherever it is I'm going. I think that that's hot. I think if, if it's a delay situation and like you have a one hour, two hour layover and you're delayed and you won't, you, you could be taking off at any time and it ends up being seven hours, not hot. But if I was to say like, I'm flying from here to Houston this coming weekend, I guess by the time this comes out, it will have been last weekend. Let's say I had a layover in Atlanta for some reason and it was seven plus eight hours, something like that. And I had time to go to the aquarium or go to Chick-fil-A headquarters or go to a Braves game. If that was when the, you know, absolutely hot, like one of the hottest things ever. Think about it that way. You, that's, that's a good point. Like I didn't, con- I, like, I like think it actually. Jewelers day off in any city. Now that you might think, now that I think about it, like it might even be worse to have like a three hour. Correct. Later correct because then you can't go anywhere i'm talking like a layover where you can leave and come back and like that's accounting for that's still accounting for like the hour that you might have to deal with security i'm still out though because um you know like we were talking about earlier like you could just drive Fair. it's, it's yeah. like because you're already in the plane you're already up in the bird for how long and then you're gonna sit in the airport for seven hours and then get another no like i I okay. can drive to Kansas. Like all right. That well, one of, of these days, yeah. one of these days, Gillis, we'll make we'll take a flight out to to Seattle or something, and we'll stop in St. Louis on the way. We'll hit a Cardinals game and then go to Seattle for whatever it is we need to go there for. And maybe we'll stop in Milwaukee or Chicago on the way back for the day. Then tell me see, that it's that. That. see you that. you make a good point, but in my experience, I've I've most most of the time only had layovers in Charlotte or LaGuardia. And I've been there so many times. There's simply no reason for me to leave the airport. There's no reason for me to spend an extra seven hours in those cities doing absolutely nothing. I don't know. I'm all I'm saying is final point, final word on the matter is maybe be spontaneous once in a while. I don't know. Final um, hot or not of the week. And this is more like a. I think the general consensus is that it's not after a certain point. But uh, how old is too old to bring your baseball glove to a, a game? <laughs> This is under the assumption that you don't have kids. If you have kids, like if, right. I'm, if I'm a dad, I'm going to bring my glove to the game because my kids are bringing their glove to the game. And like, we're like, it's just a thing that we're going to do, but like, right. it's a bit. Right. Um, you know, I, I it's certainly probably, at least 24. I wouldn't be bringing my glove. No, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I brought a glove to a game. Like I, I, as I started to say this, I was, I was like, <laughs> if you, if you are able to drive to the game yourself, Mm -hmm. you're i'm out like if you were able to like you know drive your vehicle or even your parents vehicle to the game so 17 18 that might even be too much like i might even be thinking like 13 yeah i'm like 13 so once you hit like high school like you might be so freshman in high school you yeah. might be, I think a freshman in high school is probably a good cutoff for that. Because also when you're a freshman in high school, you've you've lived enough life to know that catching a foul ball, like your pain tolerance can do enough that catching a foul ball with your bare hands or being thrifty and catching it with your ball cap, or maybe if you have a shirt, you, you know, break it with the shirt. I think in middle school, you don't have the wherewithal to be able to do that. And you need a glove. You can't even catch but, with a glove in middle school, some people. Okay, well- you know, those of us that maybe were a little more athletic than you could maybe do that. 
right. All right. But I'm just going to end the conversation. Set that one up. But yeah, you, you definitely walked into that, but I don't know. I'm, I'm in agreement here. My, my age here is, is high school. All right. Well, I'm still, I'm a little hurt and uh, we're going to go ahead and before I get hurt again, we're going to end hot or not and go to our final segment. Uh, Carter, let's uh, let's speed the pace up a little bit and head into Florida man of the week. Can do. I'll hit you with one this week. And for once, I actually have good news from Florida. Florida man wins half a million dollars playing lotto numbers from a fortune cookie. Good for him. Good. Good for him. That is just a good, just that good is, for him. I feel like every week, every week you come and you give us like, what were the ones from last week? It was all about oh, getting, it was toilet paper and getting arrested, getting arrested for stealing toilet paper. And like most of these things, you know, they're, they're half naked or they're mostly drunk mm-hmm. or they're doing stupid things to this one's a little wholesome and I'm, I'm here for it. Absolutely. Wholesome. Also makes me want to go get takeout and go directly to buy a, a lottery ticket. Like I might do that tonight. So after we're done with this, do you want to go hit Panda? Absolutely. All right. So uh, Gillis, we're going to go over to Panda Express um, uh-huh. and call it a day. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks for telling your story. And, and I hope you had fun. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, I'm uh, glad to be on. Um, while we were signing guys, fun fact, Dak Prescott signed a contract extension. Uh, four Ooh. years, $160 million. By the Damn. time this comes out, it will be old, old news. But we broke it. I know. We broke it. <laughs> I know. Um, Andrew, where can the people find you on the internet to read all about NBC Sports Washington's Washington Capitals news? Yeah, um, you can read about me at uh, NBC, or not about me, but read my work at NBCSportsWashington.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Andrew underscore Gillis70. Um, more than happy to... Uh, more than happy to have you as a follower. I uh, would love you reading all of my all of my stories about the Capitals, Wizards, Washington football team, and honestly, just reading my tweets. Um, so I love anything, anything I love in that regard. Tweets. I feel like I'm interacting with a celebrity, even though you're just a friend of mine. You're absolutely not interacting with a celebrity. I have like 1,300 Twitter followers. Like that is nothing. More than me. And then lastly, what's your game attack and when can we play Fortnite together? <laughs> Uh, game of time. Um, oh God, it's like a Gillis seventy or a Gillis underscore seventy or something. Um, and we can play Fortnite. We can play Fortnite, whatever. Let's go. Okay, catch Andrew Gillis on NBCSportsWashington.com. Follow him on Twitter as well. I'll add him. And as always, you can follow the Lackluster Adventure that is my life on Twitter at Hey It's Me Rob. And until next time, eat local. Or, you know go eat local except for we're not about to do that we're going to panda express to get some lottery numbers say goodbye carter bye say goodbye gillis bye everybody bye